sermon today. Is that okay? We're instead going to dig into the word of God and we're going to be set free from some things. We're going to be stirred up with some things. We're going to have that fire in our very bones kind of shake us and stir us and, and transform us so that we can be even more like him. Amen. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of God that is in each one of us, Lord. Thank you, God, for touching your sons and your daughters today. God, thank you for waking us up today, Lord. Thank you for helping us walk the walk that you've called us to walk today, Lord. I thank you for freeing us from some things today that we could be even more like you, Jesus. God, I thank you today, Lord God, that we would say, come sit on your throne. We remove ourselves from our throne and we say, this is our heart is your throne. Come sit on the throne of our heart today. Come have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're getting back to our sermon series that we've been on. We've been on a sermon series called Toxic. And Toxic is talking about the deadly sins that plague every single person that, that come and try to attack us. And so we know that, that there are many sins, but these are seven fruits, uh, seven sins that that stumble, make God's people stumble and trip us up at times. And today we're going to talk about the deadly sin of greed. Can you say greed? And we're going to talk about overcoming greed. And when I was praying about this and this being Mother's Day, I thought, God, okay, I'm going to be talking about greed on Mother's Day. Well, it's better than gluttony. Amen. Because I know we're going to get our, our cookouts and take going out to our restaurants afterwards. And I was thinking, God, greed. What do you want me to say about greed? And when I think of greed, I think of somebody, you know, who's greedy for money, who, who, who wants a whole bunch of money. But God showed me greed is much deeper than just wanting money or, or lusting after money. Greed is a little more intense. It's a selfish desire for something that's not needed. Greed is selfishness. And now, mothers, we have a natural um, thing that God gave us to be self-sacrificing when it comes to our children. There's, there's been uh, things that you've seen that have even gone viral of moms picking up cars, supernatural strength to get their toddlers out, and all kinds of crazy things um, with, with, with babies. Uh, my husband used to say we had a lot of our, all of our babies would sleep in bed with us up to a certain, certain time. <laughs> Justice, we're, we're working on that one, but you know. Um, <laughs> and he, when they were real little, he used to say, you got like a superpower because he would like wake up and move and out of a dead sleep, I would go whoosh and I would stop him from moving on my baby. It was like a superpower that God gave. I don't know. It's most of us moms, we have that. There's just this instinct to be self-sacrificing and to protect our children and to love our children. And so when I was seeking the Lord about what does greed mean, and he showed me it means selfishness. And I said, but Lord, this is Mother's Day. And he said, if my people would love my children the way moms love their children, this would not be an issue in the house of God. And so today we're going to talk about how we can overcome greed. Again, thinking of greed, most people think about it as a desire for just money or maybe power, possession, position, uh, anything of that sort. And 
it's not even about the quantity. It's about the relationship or the desire for whatever one is greedy for. A verse that is often misquoted in the Bible um, is found in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But oftentimes we hear, what? Money is the root of all evil. But it's not money in itself. It's your relationship with money. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. See, Jesus says it like this in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We can only have one master, friends. We can only have one king. We can only have one ruler. And greed will keep us from choosing the right ruler. See, Ephesians 5, 5 says this. It says, for of this you can be sure. Now, see, when the Bible says, I'm about to tell you something, you can take this. Basically, Paul here is saying, for this you can be sure. You can take this to the bank. Right here, you can be sure. And then he goes on and says, no immoral, impure, or what? Greedy person. Such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, there's a few things I want to point out in this verse that kind of just popped out when I was praying and seeking the Lord. Notice, a greedy person is compared to what? An idolater, someone who worships idols. A greedy person, the idol that they worship is self, not money. Not position, not possession, not food, not anything else. It is self. That is the idol a greedy person worships. See, because a, a, a person who, an idol is something, an object or something that is worshiped instead of God. And God tells us to not have any idols before him. God is a jealous God for our attention. He made us with a longing. There's a longing in us to worship. But he wants us to only worship him. So he says there can be no other idol set before him. And yet a greedy person will always set idols before the Lord. That's why it's compared to an idolater. Because the idol of a greedy person is self itself. You cannot worship self and God. And see, in in our easy believism that is preached today, we say, come to Jesus so that yourself can have a better life. When Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, friends, we got it backwards. Yes, from that, our life will be blessed, but it's not about what, it's not about what's going to happen. It's about who he is. And we've got to get this right. Ephesians 5 goes, goes on and says, a greedy person will not inherit the kingdom. Now, recently we learned that the kingdom of God is the rule of God or the government of God. It's the king who is to be worshipped. And then dom, the suffix, is the dom, domain or rule of God. Remember, there can only be one true king, only one true kingdom, only one true throne and only one true ruler 
God will not share his throne with anyone, friends. Not with you, not with me. So why do you think a greedy person can't inherit the kingdom of God? Why do you think a greedy person can't inherit the kingdom of God? That's what the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and in other places too. They cannot inherit the kingdom of God because a greedy person will always want to remove God from his rightful throne or his rightful rule. And a greedy person will instead have the desire to worship self. Friends, we need to be free from greed because greed would not allow Jesus to sit on his throne. Greed will always remove God from his throne and his rule. God is God. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. The kingdom of God and his rule, his sovereign rule, is what needs to rule in our hearts, friends. See, a lot of times we understand salvation and salvation being uh, uh, that, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But friends, we don't understand to make Jesus Lord or master or king. And that means that he now has rule over our heart, that he's now the one who makes the decisions. Just this week, I, I, ha- I, I, I had to repent for some things. Matter of fact, just yesterday, uh, the day before Mom's Day, I had a little mom moment. Not a good mom moment, let me tell you kind of a mama bear moment. And I was that typical football mom who got mad that my son didn't get enough playtime. I'm confessing my sins right before you. This is fresh, y'all. This is fresh, right? And I, I kind of beat myself up about it all day after I called the coach <clears throat> and a, the other coach's wife and complained about it. Yes, that was me. That was me. I can't believe it. You see those people on movies. You think you'll never be that mom. No, that was me. And so I, I went before the Lord And I'm crying. I'm like, God, I'm an idiot. I know I shouldn't have done that. And then I remembered when I was in the car by myself, I did that on purpose. If I would have stayed with my husband, I would have never made this mistake. But I left him alone, and I went by myself in my car, and I thought, I'm going to call this person up. And I heard the voice of God, the Spirit of God say, no, don't do that. And I said, get off the throne for just a minute because this is going to make me feel better. And if I feel better, I'll serve you better. So I'm going to go ahead and call this person real quick. And it's going to be all good. (sighs) Friends, isn't that what we do, though? We say, God, come sit on our throne, right? Come sit on the throne of our heart. But as soon as you're telling us to do something we don't want to do, just scoot off for just a minute. For just a minute. Here, here. I'll keep it. I'll keep it warm for you, God. (laughs) You come back in just a moment. Just let me finish this real quick. And and they were like, why did we do what we did? Well, because we said, God, scoot over. But listen, there's only one throne. And sometimes our greed can be masked in righteousness. It can be masked in goodness. Oh, I'm doing this because I love my son. No, I'm doing this because I was mad. (laughs) He was cool. I was mad. Friends, we've got to say, God, no, always, always you sit on your throne. And when we don't do that, friends, it's not that we lose our salvation, but we're born into a new kingdom. And now we need to learn to walk in his government. We need to learn to walk in his rule. We get confused because we focus on the rules, like the Ten Commandments and all the things we need to do, instead of focus on his rule in our heart. You see the difference, friends? We get ourselves all kinds of confused. God doesn't simply want us to be saved. He wants us to take possession of everything that salvation holds. We see this in the Old Testament in in the people of Israel. 
He delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them from their bondage. He saved them from their bondage. But then he said, go take possession of your inheritance. And that's where a lot of us are at. We're saved and we're set free from our old bondage. And now we're born again into a new kingdom and a new rule, except for we do not know how to take possession of all the promises that God has on our life. See, salvation is about profession, right? We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and we shall be saved. But see, the kingdom living is about possession. Possession, letting God possess everything in our heart. And then with him, joining him at his work, we now can possess his promises. Do you see the difference there? Greed will keep us from that difference. Greed will keep us at just being a baby Christian forever. God wants us to grow and mature in him. God must take full possession of our heart in order for us to take full possession of his promises in our lives. This can only happen when we give up our selfishness and our greed. So we're about to dig in, friends. Ready? Put your seatbelts on. That was just the introductory. Ready? Come on. Get Here we go. We're in the car. Put it on, right? Put it on. It's time. I didn't see not, not one person participate. I'm kind of sad. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Donnie. Come on. Here we go. Put them on. Oh. Snap in. Now we're about to go, okay? We're going to talk about five ways to get rid of greed in our heart. And I would not want to disappoint you. So, of course, it's in a what? An acrostic, all right? So, number one, we need to generously give it all away. Woo! We don't need to just give it all away. We need to be generous about it. Be generous about it. See, if you might remember or recall the account of the rich young ruler, we find that in Mark 10, and it's also in a couple other of the Gospels, and it's this rich young ruler came to Jesus, and it says in verse 21 in Mark 10, it says, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all of your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Now, You see him call other disciples, and he didn't tell everybody to go sell everything and come follow him. But first, he said, this one thing you lack, okay? And then he goes on, and in verse verse 22, it says, but these words, these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Now, scholars have tried to study and find out who is this rich young ruler, and a lot of people believe it was John Mark, the author of Mark him. Uh, the gospel of Mark himself. Therefore, that's probably why he left out his name. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of something you might be, you know, a little embarrassed of. And if we look at Mark's life, we see that Mark got, got to a place where he did follow Jesus. And he, he actually went on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And actually, it's what caused the split here. We're going to go a little deep here. It's what caused the split between Paul and Barnabas because they had a disagreement over Mark because Mark left Paul, like dissed him, like pieced out in the middle of his first missionary journey. And a lot of people believe it was because of the the uh, longing to be, you know, taking care of the possessions. He had a lot to manage, a lot of things to take care of. His mom had a church big enough that they were able to have church in their house, okay? So he came from a lot of possession. But finally, he did get to the point where he gave it all, you know, away. But yet, friends, sometimes when God says this one thing we lack, and it might be one different thing for all of us, but I believe it it comes down to the one thing is the lacking the faith to trust God with whatever he asks us to do. 
for this rich young ruler, whether it was Mark, like scholars believe, or somebody else, he lacked the faith to give it all to follow God. Friends, whatever it is that's keeping us from trusting God, it's keeping us from trusting that his ways are better than our ways. And not just higher, like completely different and better than our ways. It's what's keeping us from being generous and giving it all. Jesus could have had 13 disciples, but this rich young ruler was not willing to sell out for Jesus. Friends, what are, what's holding you back from selling out everything for Jesus? And I don't mean you have to go sell out your house and, and do this. If God called you to do that and go to a mission field, then yes. But I'm saying, you know, you have to listen to God's voice for your own heart, for your own life and say, what is it that's keeping me from giving him full reign in my heart, full rule in my heart? And that, friends, we need to give it away. In order to sell out, we have to generously give it all away. See, the early church church understood this. In Matthew, or in Acts chapter 2, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread in prayer. And everyone was filled with all of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And it says, all believers were together and had everything in what? In common. And then it says, they sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily all those who were being saved. Friends, the early church got this. They got sell out to Jesus, whatever he asks. If it's, if it's sell your property, we're going to sell our property. If it's, if it's, you know, give up a, a relationship or give up a friendship that's holding you back or give up an addiction, they're willing to do it to follow Jesus. And yet today we don't want to generously give the Lord all of our heart. Instead, we want to say, come make us a better person. We're going to add you to what we're already doing. When God is saying, no, I want to make you a whole new creation, brand new, but you got to be willing to sell out. A generous person is a selfless person. It's essentially giving yourself away. Someone who's willing to give themselves away. If you want to overcome greed, you must be generous, but you also must, we're at the R, we must repent from the heart. Luke eleven thirty nine 39 says this, then the Lord said to him, now then you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of what? Greed and wickedness. Interesting choice of words. This is God all knowing, all powerful God here in the flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus saying to the religious leaders of the day, he wasn't saying, oh, you're so full of addiction. You're out there smoking that pipe or you're so full of adultery. You're cheating on your wife. No, they kept the law, but yet they were still full of what? Greed and wickedness. Why? Because greed is self. It's full of, I'm doing this, these good things for the good work's sake so that I can look, myself can look holy instead of making God who he is, holy and and beautiful and majestic. Have we been greedy? Maybe we've been greedy with our time. Maybe we've been greedy with what we call in America, come on, what we call it, me time. You never heard of that? How many of us have said it? Me time. I have my me, me time, so much so that my children have named my bedroom the woman cave. When mom goes to her bedroom, don't mess with her. It's the woman cave. What you doing today, mom? I'm going to the woman cave. 
oh, man, the Lord convicted me. There was a time, and, and it's okay for me because I even get my sermons together up there and, and have time with the Lord up there in my alone time, and it's okay to have that when it's, you know, I'm not saying that you can't ever have time, but when we idolize our me time and we put our me time into a place where we're greedy with it, man, we got to be careful. Maybe it's we're greedy with our finances. We haven't given our tithes or our offerings you know, I had, I've had people say, oh, well, tithe is Old Testament. You know, we're not underneath the law. Well, New Testament said they gave everything. So if we have a hard time giving 10%, how are we going to give everything? Go ahead if you're underneath the New Covenant and, and be my guest. Show me how to do it because I'm trying to, I sometimes struggle with giving the 10% or the, I know that we give like 15% or something like that now. And I sometimes struggle with that. And when God says, give this last bit, sometimes I don't want to because I'm thinking of what I want. So go ahead and show me your new covenant revelation, right? But instead, we make that as an excuse so that we don't have to give it even 10%. Come on, church. I know we get quiet when we talk about finances, but you know what it is? Pastor Keith used to say, your checkbook just shows a way to your heart. See, I think a lot of times we don't realize that we need to go to the deep parts of our heart and repent of greed because it's selfishness, and it, it, we can see it stemming back. There's a picture up here that I have of two children right here. <laughs> greed. From the get, y'all, I, I, if I had more time, I wanted to look at this picture that I have of Jubilee and Jordan fighting over a back of, bag of food. I took a picture of it. Now, I will say this. We staged that picture for this uh, presentation that Jubilee had last year, but I thought it would still be cute, but I didn't have time. So we got that off the internet, but how many of us have seen that in our own home to, to a degree, one degree or another? Kids fighting over something, right? Whether it's food, toys, uh, you know, video game time, <laughs> whatever it is, because greed comes, it, it, it's something that we early on had to fight. We call it, as moms, we call it stop being stingy, Right? But that really is just a fruit of greed, which is just a fruit of selfishness. Come on, church. Is someone getting this today? Maybe we've been greedy in one area or another. Let's take a moment. Let's truly ask God to forgive us from our heart, not just lip service, but from our heart. God, forgive us for being greedy. God wants to sit on his throne. He wants to sit on the throne of our heart, which means we truly need to repent from our heart so that we will not allow anything to take the place of God in our heart, which means greed has got to go. Say, greed, you got to go. Got to go in Jesus' name. If we want to overcome greed, we have to repent from the heart, but we also need to empty yourself. And what I mean by empty ourself is what the scripture says in Philippians 2, 3, and 5. I love the book of Philippians. It's probably my favorite epistle and it's just, there's, this chapter is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What's that sound like? Does that sound like greed to you? Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but also each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. I love uh, the revelation that the Lord gave me here is that selfish ambition, again, is rooted in greed. 
Selfish ambition, when we're so ambitious that we want bigger and better of everything. We call it the American dream here in America. We got to keep up with the Joneses. We got to, and there's nothing wrong in being blessed and being promoted. But friends, if our motivation is from greed, that's what's wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? God wants us to empty ourselves like Jesus did, who had everything in heaven, and yet he chose to clothe himself with mankind, come as a vulnerable baby, and not just, you know, sent like, you know, like Superman or whatever as a baby on a spaceship, but instead in the womb of a woman. Friends, Mom, see how important and how special you are that Christ, that God himself chose to let Christ be in a woman's womb. 100% God, 100% man, and yet he chose to clothe himself. And it says, the Bible says, that he took the very nature of a servant. I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message. It says, if you've got anything out of following Christ, if, you, if love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you. If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put aside yourself aside. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Takes a whole new meaning of the bracelets that we wore back in the 90s, WWJD. Y'all remember those? What would Jesus do? He would empty himself. He would be the first one to serve. To empty yourself means to put others before yourself. How are you putting others before yourself? Now, it's funny because when I was praying about this, I, I thought of the illustration of if right now I said, hey, I'm really thirsty. Could someone get me a bottle of water? I bet there would be at least a few people that would jump up and, and say, okay, I'm going to go search this church or maybe even go across the street to the gas station and get you a bottle of water. And yet when we're at home and our husband asks us, hey, can you grab me something from the fridge? We're like, bro, you got two feet. Go get it yourself. <laughs> right? Say the remote got lost and, and, and one of the kids asked you to get up and change the channel. Or to pick something up. I've used this number. Y'all closer to the ground. Bend down and get it yourself. <laughs> oh, man, it's easy to serve someone who we don't live with. And it's hard sometimes to serve those that God puts us in the closest community with. Friends, when we empty ourselves, it starts at home. It starts pouring into our children and pouring into our marriage. Serving others is a great way of emptying ourselves. Go out of your way today to serve someone that you love, someone you're close to. Do something that you don't like to do for someone you love. Maybe rub someone's feet. Man, I don't like rubbing nobody's feet. I just, I just don't. Maybe it's doing laundry for somebody else. You know, whatever it is, emptying the dishwasher when it's not your turn. Come on. And not just because it's Mother's Day, kids. <laughs> Serving others is a great way of emptying ourselves. If you want to overcome greed, we must empty ourselves. But we also have to understand the kingdom economy. I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom economy because it's so different 
than what we have here in America. This is an American economy. We might even understand a Western world economy, you know, supply and demand, different things that we might have an understanding of. But the kingdom economy is different. See, in order to go up in the kingdom economy, we must first go down, right? Jesus said, if you want to be exalted, you have to what? Humble yourself. The kingdom, of the, uh, the kingdom economy is so different than what we have here, okay? It's work hard and get blessed. The kingdom economy is get low, get really, really low, and God will lift you up and he will bless you. See, Jesus illustrates it this way in Matthew 18, 4. He says, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm like, okay, God, why a child? What do children have that, that, that you're saying that we have to humble ourselves like a child? What do they have that we don't, that we kind of lose the understanding once we're an adult? Well, see, children, they understand living underneath a rule. For the mo- I mean, we have rebellious children. Yes, I understand that. But for the most part, especially you get them at a good age, you know, five, six, seven, man, they understand what it means to live underneath your household rules. This is something we don't do in our house. And they understand. Un- have, they, have, they have an understanding that they're not the boss, that they're not the one making the decisions. They have a, also a trusting uh, nature that, that they just have to. They have to trust their parents in order to live. And yet... We lose that as an adult, and because as, as we grow, we become more self-dependent um, instead of God-dependent. And God wants us to be God-dependent. He wants us to say, God, you're the ruler. And even in the little decisions, when I'm in the car, going to Starbucks, when I probably should have only ordered a small and I ordered a venti, um, you know, going to the car, going to Starbucks, when I probably should have listened to the Holy Spirit, he said, no, you don't need a call, and I made the phone call anyway. I'm like, God... I'm warming up the seat for you. I'm warming up your throne. You can have it back in a minute, right? Listen, friends, in kingdom economy, we have to go low. We have to humble ourselves. We're no longer the man. We're no longer the woman. Instead, we need to be like the child, like the youngest. We have to trust like that. Luke 22, 25 the disciples, and they over and over argued who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the best disciple, who's going to be the greatest. Not only did they argue, they even got their parents into it. I think James and John had a mama like me. I mean, they were called sons of thunder. I think they had a mama like me because that mom was like, listen, I'm going to go to the coach Jesus, and I'm going to be like, hey, coach Jesus, which one of my sons is going to sit next to you? Who's getting the most game time, in other words, right? I kind of can relate to that mom. But Jesus said this. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not that way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. Whew. God's economy, friends, the kingdom economy is a lot different than our economy. It's not about being the CEO or having the, the most letters behind your name, right? The most degrees behind your name. It's not about what your position and how, mu- how much money you make. It's about how much we are willing to get down low and say, God, you rule, I don't. You lead, 
I follow. I'm the servant. You're my master. And not just in our view of God, but how we treat one another. How we treat one another. God, let us live according to the rules of your economy and not our own. Amen. Amen. Greed will keep our eyes on self and it will keep us from trusting and serving God and serving his people. In God's economy, we must go down to go up. To overcome greed, we, we must have the kingdom of economics, but we also must, also must realize the dominion belongs to God. Greed wants us to keep control. We want to be in control. The Lord showed me one time the only kind of control that is good in the Bible because all control other than the one that he showed me is good is witchcraft. Any kind of control in the Bible is considered witchcraft, okay? When you try to control somebody else, that's considered witchcraft. Husbands, when you try to control your wife and use verses against her, like submit woman, it's witchcraft. Wives, when we try to manipulate and, say, and get our own way, it's witchcraft. It's control outside of what God has called us. There's only one control in the Bible that is godly control. Do you know what that is? Self-control. Look at my scholars on the front, front row. Self-control is the only control in the Bible that, as a matter of fact, is called one of the fruits of the Spirit and is actually the last fruit of the Spirit. Love is the first, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, it goes on. And the last is self-control. I like to look at those as bookends. It's funny how my children, I call my oldest and youngest bookends. They have more in common, my oldest and youngest. My oldest is about to be 13. My youngest is about to be five. They have more in common than any of my other kids. So much so, I mean, same kind of spirited attitude. I'm like, Lord, they're bookends. Well, I think that love and self-control are bookends of the fruit of the spirit. You need them to hold everything else together. You need love to operate in all the other ones and you need self-control to, to keep it going because it's easy to start something but not finish it, right? But listen, it's still the fruit of what? The spirit. So even self-control is still relying on the spirit of God. Do you have that understanding? Even self-control, we can't get it by self. We still need the spirit of God even for self-control. I hope someone's getting that in here today besides just me. See, greed wants us to keep control. When we let go of that control, we allow God to have dominion over our lives. See, I learned early on in my marriage not as early as I, I, I'm sure my husband would have liked me to learn, but we were still living in the apartment, the little efficiency apartment. You know, the apartment was so small. It was, it was so small. I mean, it was like the size of my back room now. Like you can literally sit on the couch and see the, per, see the person in the bathroom. I mean, when Pastor Josh would pray, he would a lot of times prostrate himself on the floor and kind of lay out. He's six foot three. It's a big man, right? It's like you had to step over him to get to the toilet. I'm like, if you need to take a nap, go in the, go in the bedroom, which was, you could see the bed too, obviously. I mean, <laughs> it was so small. And, and I'm telling you, we were both oldest children. We're both used to having our way. And matter of fact, we were both kind of diva-ish. I don't know what you call a male, male diva, but, we, you know, Josh was used to women buying him things. And, you know, his, his I went, uh-uh, no, no, you got to buy me stuff. You got to take care of, what are you talking about here? Take care of me, you know? And he's like, no, take care of me. And I'm like, can you get the light switch? It's just, all I got to do is, like, lift my hand and, like, turn it. But can you get it for me? Like, I want to be served. <laughs> and he's like, I want to be served. And it just wasn't working out well for us. I mean, we fought over everything. Friends, there's hope. I mean, everything. What channel to turn on when we got in the car? If the window should be, we never, and still don't have the same temperature, man. I'm hot, he's cold, he's cold, I'm hot, always. 
I'm like, roll the windows down. No, my hair's, my hair's blowing. Roll the windows up. No, it's too hot. I mean, it was fighting over everything, everything, all the time. And the Lord brought me to James chapter 4. He brought me to James chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. And for a time, I actually had this memorized. I put it right on my little mirror that I can't even believe I squeezed that dresser in that little tiny bedroom. I mean, like, I was much skinnier back then. I probably couldn't even fit in that bedroom now. And I, I, was <laughs> I would read that scripture, literally, like, read that scripture every day and meditate on it. And it says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires to battle within? Or don't they come from your desire, desires to battle within? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, because you cannot get what you want. You, so you quarrel and fight. Sounds like greed to me, doesn't it? You do not have because you do not ask God, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with what? wrong motive so that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Again, what is greed? It's an intense desire for selfishness of whatever you want, your own pleasures. The Lord said, Joy, I want you to fight, not to fight. But I'm like, God, but I want him to get right. Can you help him be a better husband? Praying for my selfish motives. Can you help him serve a sister every once in a while? Praying from selfish motives. And God said, you cannot change him. You can only change you. Oh. Self-control. You can only change you. So I had to learn to bite my lip. Friends, I'm like third generation big mouth woman in my family. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't bite our lip. My mom said, you were born in a free country. You say what you want to say. That's how she taught me. <laughs> and God's saying, listen, you got freedom in me. And because you have freedom in me, you need to learn to operate in self-control and bite your lip. Bite your tongue. It's the strongest muscle in your body. It will not hurt you. Go ahead and bite it. And so we had times, I mean, the, and listen, we would call Pastor Keith up <laughs> I would call him up in the middle of fight like Pastor Keith for fighting again, man. Can we come over? I just wanted, I, I wanted to be right. I was like, oh, I, oh, but we're pastors already. We're on staff. We're children's pastors. We got to look right. We got to be right. We got to pretend like we have it together. No, we don't. We don't have it together. One time, Pastor Josh wrote this big thing in his journal. Yeah, I read it. Don't judge. He wrote this big thing in his journal <laughs> about how hard it was to live with me. And what made it worse is he was in the school of the ministry at, at the time and he had to turn his journal in and usually, you know, they didn't always read it. But on that day, they happened to read it. And wrote a long card, you know, it's going to get better. I'm like, oh my gosh, my husband, he's living with me because I'm so selfish. That the school ministry director had to say, listen, son, it's going to get better. I had to learn to fight, not to fight. I had to learn that greed and selfishness, me wanting my own way, that's being greedy, friends. It was not allowing God to rule in my life. It was not giving him dominion in my heart. Because when I give dominion to my heart, it's my pleasure 
to serve my husband. It's my pleasure to wake up before him when I can and actually make tea and an egg sandwich and bring it to him. It's my pleasure to serve him now. It's my pleasure to pick up his paper and his socks and his, you know, cup and, and put it up. Now, I don't always have the best attitude about it, but when I'm walking in the spirit of God, I do because it's my pleasure because I'm, I get an opportunity to serve my husband, which makes me more like Christ. How's that so? Because Christ went to his disciples on the very last day that he was with them. And he said, take off your sandals, y'all. Take them off. And he got down on his knees. And he began to wash the feet. Now, Peter, my boy, I love me some Peter. It's my brother from another mother, man. I love him, right? Peter said, well, no, 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 Jesus. I need to wash your feet. And Jesus said, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. And then Peter being extreme, love him. He said, oh, well, then you know what? You might as well just give me a shower. <laughs> and Jesus says, listen, if the man is clean, you just got to wash his feet, right? And I think this is where we're at. We were talking about this. My dad and I were talking about this this, this week during our different conferences that we had. And I believe a lot of us at Vision Ministries, we're clean. God is saying, man, I've called you. I've chosen you. You're saved. You don't have to doubt that but there might be some dust that you need to shake from your feet. There might be some cleaning. There might be some areas in your life, and green might be one of those that you have to repent from and that you have to, again, give over so that God can have dominion because we can't walk according to the way he's walking if we are bound with greed, friends. Let's let God have dominion in our life. Let's say, God, you're going to rule. You're going to rule. Proverbs 28 25, the scripture I want to close with in band, band worship team, if you could come up. Or actually, yeah, we got something special. Um, Pastor Joshua is going to be doing something here. Proverbs 28, 25, it says, the greedy stir up conflict. Where they stir up? Why was Pastor Joy fighting all the time? Mm-hmm, greedy. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Friends, I want to say this to you. I'm not saying this to boast in myself and to boast into my husband, but in 15 years of marriage, I'm telling you, we have a special marriage, and it's not because I'm special. It's not because Pastor Josh is special. It's because we love God so much that it makes us love one another more. Friends, there's some things that greed has kept us from. Maybe it's, maybe it's if you would just close your eyes. Everyone stand up for a minute. Maybe just close your eyes. Focus on the Lord. I believe there's some of us today that we need to overcome greed. We need to overcome greed in our life. Mm. There's some of us in here today that have dealt with greed in the place that, that you've idolized yourself. You've made sure that you're taking care of number one and number one is you and God wants you to repent of that. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hand on down. I believe there are some of you today that that word is for you. Like Peter, he said, but God, you know, wash all of me. Wash all of me. And God saying, no, it's just your feet. You just need to shake some dust from your feet. Some of you have had some things that you've gone through, some discouragement, some uh, things that you can't get out of your mind, words that you can't get out of your mind. Maybe someone spoke something or maybe you can't forgive yourself. There's some things that you got to let go of. You got to shake that dust right off your feet. If that's you today and you know you need to get rid of some things, you, some things that's been kind of holding your walk down, can you raise your hand before the Lord?